Well, good morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome all of our campuses, and let me say Happy New Year to all of you, and uh, Fairhope, it was great getting to spend uh, last Sunday morning with you. Man, it was just awesome to get to meet so many of you. That was the first time I got to be a part of the Fairhope campus on a Sunday morning at Wakala. Um, my wife and youngest daughter, they were with you guys last Sunday, and uh, they just said they had a great experience with you guys. I got a lot of good reports on what's going on in Wakala. And then Chipley, my assistant Erica, said, y'all are doing an amazing job. She was there. Last week as well, I sent all kind of scouts out last week. Can y'all tell that? So anyhow, it was like, uh, and I just want to say to Bluntstown and Mariana, um, something as we start this year, uh, thank you guys for having hearts that are so full of love that you are about helping not only to reach the community that you're in, but you're helping reach other communities for Jesus Christ as well. And I just want to say, Bluntstown, Mariana, if you guys didn't have those hearts, we wouldn't be able to talk to Wakala this morning and Chipley and Fairhope. And so I just want to thank all of you at all of our campuses for starting out this year with us and just say, it's going to be a great year. We're absolutely excited about what we together can do to reach our communities and our region for Jesus Christ. And so it's just, it's just going to be great. And so, you know, we, when we start out our year and um, we say things like Happy New Year, um, one of the things I do realize, even though I'm sitting here saying it's going to be great, uh, we realize there's a range of all kinds of emotions as many of you go into the new year, right? I mean, some of you are kind of like myself. You're really excited about the future. You're optimistic and like expecting maybe this to be like your best year ever. Some of us, we have stepped into this year and we have been, have been met with challenges that you're not sure how you're going to overcome. I mean, the future kind of looks overwhelming to you, maybe a little intimidating to you. And then some of you, you have stepped into this whole new year with no expectations at all. I mean, you've lost kind of any sense of wonder, any sense of excitement, any sense of anticipation. I mean, for you, it's just kind of another day, another week, you know, uh, it's just another year. So today, no matter where you're at and you know, what you think as you're going into this year, we want to start off with kind of a reflection question. And I pray that you'll go on the journey with us with this question today. And here's the question, and that is this. Where are you now? Like, where are you right now as we begin 2019? Where are you right now in so many different areas of your life? For example, where are you at right now in your relationships? I mean, are your relationships where you want them to be? Like, are you making the memories that you want to make? And are you spending time with people that you want to spend? And as you're close as you want to be to the people that you are in relationship with, with your family, for example? Or how about your friendships? Where, where are your friendships right now? I mean, do you have friends in your life that you do life with like so deeply and so intentionally so much that they know like the struggles that you have going on and, and they know what you're excited about right now, but they also know what's keeping you up at night? Do you have that kind of friendships going on or how about your finances? Where are you at right now with your finances? Like, are you free to be the generous person that you want to be? And do you have the margin to make memories with your family financially? Do you got like financial peace going on? Or are you like just in this constant state of financial stress? Or how about where you're at with your career? Or, or maybe getting that degree or your life goals that you have? Or where are you at with the dreams that you've had for your life? Or here's a big one. What about your faith? Where are you at right now with your relationship with God? 
Like, how would you describe your relationship with God right now? So, some of you, you're, you're kind of like experiencing the greatest year that you've ever experienced in your faith. I mean, you want the momentum of your faith just to keep going on this year. I mean, you're excited and you're energized about your faith. Others of you, you're kind of stagnant in your faith. I mean, you're just kind of like going through the motions. And if you're honest, you're saying, my faith is really boring right now. Maybe you even admit that you've kind of given up on trying to grow when it comes to your faith. And maybe you even said, I've kind of deprioritized or even considered walking away from my faith because, not because you quit believing, you just kind of find it boring. Uh, others of you, when it comes to this faith thing, I mean, you're just kind of curious. And you kind of start out your year this year, because you're kind of curious about this faith thing. You're not, you're not really sure if you want to explore it, and maybe you not even know how to explore your faith, but, but there's just something that just keeps you curious about faith right now. Uh, others of you, um, maybe you showed up, not because you believe, you don't believe, you're with family or friends, and they've asked you, and you thought, well, let me get it over with at the beginning of the year, and, and you're just kind of at a place, you're like, I really don't think I'm open to believing. I mean, you're, you're not even at a place maybe where you can want to consider a relationship with Jesus Christ. So no matter where you're at on the faith spectrum, will you reflect for just a moment and ask yourself this question, like, where are you right now with friendships, with relationships, with family, but most importantly, with your faith. Now, here's the second question. Where will you be? Like one year from now, well, one year from now, you're going to be somewhere. You're going to be somewhere looking back over the 12 months that are now ahead of you. What's going to be your story? Where will you be? Now, here's the good news about this. You basically get to write that story of where you're going to be. But here's the thing. It is going to be your decisions in 2019, not your intentions that are going to determine your destination. In other words, kind of hoping that you will be where you want to be, it's not going to get you where you want to be. It's the decisions that you make between now and then that determine where you're going to be at the end of this year. So here's the question. What decisions would it take to get you where you want to be? And here's even the bigger thought. What if, what if you're just like one decision away from the story or experiencing the story that you want to experience in a certain area of your life. Now here's why we ask that question. Because we believe that you could be as close as one decision away. And that is why our wish for you this year is this. Our wish for you is to take a courageous step of faith that costs you something. Because we believe that you could be one decision away from experiencing the God-sized story that God wants you to experience and you want to experience. So our wish for you is to take a courageous step of faith that costs you something. Now when we say a step of faith, we don't mean something like mystical. 
We're not saying go out and like manufacture some step and do something really crazy. We're not even saying you need to take like a God-sized step every day. But our wish for you is that you would take a step of trust, the kind of step that compels you to trust God at the core of your being with everything you are. And part of that wish is that to make that happen is, is you have to pay attention to like the internal nudges that God has given you to take this step, whatever that step is, in some area of your life. And then trust God enough to do it. Even though that step is going to be difficult. Even though that step may not make sense to other people. See, we wish that you would take a step to do something that God is asking you to do in 2019. Even though it's going to push you out of your comfort zone. And even though there is no guaranteed outcome of what's going to happen. And again, make sure you understand this. This is not something that you just come up with your own and then you sit back and you say, okay, God, let's see if you're gonna come through in this situation. That, that's not following Jesus. I mean, that's, that's like magic. That's not what we're talking about here. We're saying that when there's that internal nudge that we all get on our journey of following Jesus, and some of you know what that nudge is right now. I mean, it's coming to your mind right now. We're saying that when you get that nudge, and, and God's been nudging some of you in your heart for maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe three months. We're saying when you get that nudge, will you obey God in spite of the cost and leave the outcome in his hands? And, and the reason we say that it's gonna cost you something is because in order to get what you want most, you often have to give up what you want now. In fact, you might want to write this down, especially if like you're in middle school or high school or you're a young adult. Here's the thing. It costs you today to end up where you want to be tomorrow. I mean, you got to make sacrifices today. There's going to be some cost today if you're going to end up where you want to be tomorrow. Now, to kind of help us understand what that looks like and, and what that feels like on our life. In, in the first century, there was a young Jewish man who was either in his late teens or like his early 20s, and he's living on the seashore of the Sea of Galilee, or he's living on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and, and in a village called Capernaum. And here's what's interesting. This guy's father was a fisherman by trade, so after he completes his Jewish schooling, and what he does is he, along with his brother, joins his father in their family business of fishing. So here's kind of how their life would go. They would spend their nights on the Sea of Galilee dra dragging these large nets through the water. They'd pull them in the boat. They'd sort out the trash from the fish. And then here's the thing. Basically, everybody fished at night because the water was cool. The fish would come to the water surface. And, and, and fishing was just a whole lot more productive at night. In the mornings, they would row back to the shore, they'd clean their nets and their gear, they'd pack everything away, and then go to the market, sell their fish, then to go to bed and sleep for the day, rest for the day, get up for another night's work. Now, here's the thing. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or whether you're a church person or not, you've probably heard of this man that we're talking about. There are people and there are churches that are named after this man. But we don't want you to miss the fact or this point as we start this conversation today, and that is this. This guy that we're talking about today, 
He was an ordinary guy, just like you and just like me. I mean, he showed up to work every day. Well, in his case, it would be every night. And he had put in his 10, 12, 15, 16 hours every night. And then he would just get up and do that again. I mean, that was his life, just going fishing all night long, 12, 14, 16 hours probably at work. I mean, it was like nothing unique about him. There was nothing special about his life until, and this is what we don't want you to miss today, until he took a step of faith that cost him something. In fact, here's how Luke tells us this happened because Luke became his friend, and this is what Luke says happened. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus, he's standing by the sea, and he's gaining popularity, and this is happening one morning, and he's teaching the crowd, and, and a large crowd begins to grow. In fact, the longer he teaches, the bigger the crowd gets. And so the crowd is getting so large, some people are having a hard time hearing him, and Jesus finds himself getting pushed back, and he's getting close to the water's edge, and so he's trying to find a solution. Here's what he does. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Jesus sees these fishing boats and he thinks, well, if I'm sitting in the boat, the crowd can't keep pushing in and my voice will carry over the water a little bit better, so that's my solution. So he gets Simon to stop for a moment, cleaning up his nets for a little bit. And, and let me just insert this. It's, it's kind of like Jesus had a little bit of relationship with Simon already going on, that he's experienced something with Jesus. And we're going to see that a little bit more in the story. So Jesus, he gets Simon to stop cleaning up for a little while, and, and he, instead he gets him to push out a little bit so that he can teach. Now here's the thing. We all know Simon by another name. His more famous name. This is Peter. Peter who became the Apostle Peter. But at this point, this is Peter before Peter is a follower of Jesus. This is Peter the fisherman. See, this is Peter sitting in the back of his boat while Jesus is teaching this crowd. And he's half wishing that he could go home and go to bed and say, how long is this guy going to teach? But Peter is about to be challenged by Jesus. He's about to receive a nudging from Jesus. And that challenge and that nudging is gonna be a challenge that is gonna cost him something, and it's going to be a defining moment in his life. In fact, here's what Jesus does. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, literally row out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now here's what you gotta understand about this. This is not a simple request that Jesus is asking. I mean, if Peter does this, it's gonna require him to row out in the middle of the lake, throw his nets over, and as far as he's concerned, I mean, he's not gonna catch anything. They didn't catch anything the night before when it's the best fishing, and they're sure not gonna catch anything in the middle of the day, and then he's gotta row back to the shore, clean his nets again, clean his boat again, and by the time he's done with that, he and his partners will have wasted most of their day, and that means they may not get any sleep that day or very little sleep, and so they're gonna end up going back to work, or maybe don't even go to work that night because they're too wore out 
in an economy where one day's wages or loss of one day's wages would be absolutely devastating. So, so this is like no innocent request. This is a request that is going to cost Simon Peter something. And it's made by a man who's not even a fisherman. He's like a carpenter. That's his trade. And now he's becoming a teacher. Like, what does he know about fishing? Now, here's why I want to bring that up. Because here's the reality. If you choose to pay attention to those internal nudges that God gives us all, you're going to find yourself in the same place that Peter found himself. You're going to find God nudging you to do something that doesn't make sense to the people around you. And it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. For some of you, it might be the nudge to reach out one more time to that person who's made it clear, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm done with this relationship. For, for others of you, it may be that nudge to give some time to help a person when you don't see how it's going to fix anything because you've helped them so many times before. But for some of you, it's that nudge to take in a foster child or two or maybe even adopt a child when you already have your hands full with the three or four children that, that you already have. For some of you in 2019, it could be the nudge to double down and just fight for your marriage like when you are out of energy and you have no motivation to try again on the marriage. For some of you, it may be that, that nudge to leave that good job for one that pays less. See, none of that kind of stuff makes sense to people around us. And that is the tension that Peter is feeling, feeling in this moment. So here's what Peter says. Simon answer, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Which is really just a polite way of saying, listen, what you're asking us to do, it makes no sense, it doesn't add up, and it's so inconvenient. Matter of fact, I mean, this is costly. Like, why would we want to do that? Here's what I know about you. If you've explored following Jesus at all for any length of time, you've had these moments, haven't you? There are these moments... Where, where you have to decide, am I going to trust God and follow this nudging and leave my comfort zone? Am I going to follow with no guaranteed outcome for what the end might be? Now, please, please don't miss this. These moments when you experience that internal nudging from God, your decision in those moments define you. See, your decision to follow or to not follow, your decision to take a step or not take a step, those things, they determine the direction and the quality, not just of your faith, but of your life. See, what you do in these moments, the decision you make when you get the nudging matters. 
Which is why our wish for you this year in 2019 is that you will take a courageous step of faith that costs you something. Our wish for you is that you'll move ahead in spite of the fear, in spite of the uncertainty. It is to weigh the opportunity and then, and then choose what is best over what is safe, what is comfortable. See, our wish for you is that in spite of what makes sense, that you would come to the same decision that Peter did. And here's what Peter said. Here's what he says. But because you say so, Jesus, I will let down the nets. And you know what Peter knows in this moment? That the average fisherman would say, why are you doing this, Peter? This doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. This doesn't even feel like it's smart. I mean, you just spent all night fishing, didn't catch anything. Now you're going to go back in the day when it's not even good fishing? And Peter would say, you know, I've seen enough of this guy, Jesus. I've heard enough of this guy, Jesus. And this is why I feel like there was some previous relationship where Peter's interacted with him. He says, I've seen enough and I've heard enough that I'm willing to put my trust in this man and just see what happens. But because you say so, it's going to cost me something. But I have a hunch that not doing what you say, Jesus, is going to cost me even more. I think the benefit will outweigh the cost when it comes to trusting Jesus. It's kind of like what Peter is doing in this moment. He's making that decision. See, this is what it looks like for you when, when you're kind of taking that step of, step of faith that is going to cost you something. And see, this is what makes, I tell people this all the time, this is what makes following Jesus so exciting and so rewarding. Because you, you have no clue where it's going to take you. People oftentimes will say, Paul, what's it like to live out your dream? I'm going, I never dreamed of any of this. I dreamed of being a hardware guy and building homes for all of my life. That's all I ever dreamed of. And then I took a step of faith and became a bivocational pastor. If you don't know what a bivocational pastor is, in a little Mennonite church in Bluntstown, Florida, bivocational is not only do you work to pay your way, but you pay most of the tithes to the church, okay? So that's what you do. And so... That's where I started out, and it's like, okay, so I'll just do this. I'll do this on the side for God. Have my hardware and do the building thing. And then God nudged again and nudged again and nudged again. And I'm telling you, every time I took a step of faith, it's been the most exciting, rewarding thing. And as I experienced going into this year and thinking of all of you on all of our campuses, and I know so many of you, and there's so many of you I still don't know, but I thought, man, had I not taken that step of faith in 1993, that nudge to go, go be their pastor. You don't even want to be a pastor. You don't even like church. And then another nudge and another. Listen, here's what I want you to know. If your faith is boring... It's because you're not following Jesus. You're not following him right. See, if following Jesus never stretches you or makes, your makes you uncomfortable, you are not actually paying attention or following Jesus. Because see, I've watched this for way too long in people's lives. A safe faith is a boring faith. A comfortable faith is a boring faith.
It always breaks my heart when I see someone who has a boring faith because that may not even be your fault. I mean, it may be that you've never been taught like how to follow Jesus this way where you've listened to those nudges and you take that step of faith and, and you pay attention to that. I mean, maybe we haven't done enough of that. That's why we're talking about that this year, at, right at the beginning of the year. But here's the thing you need to understand. Following is never going to be boring if you are taking steps of faith that cost you something. And that's what following Jesus always requires of us. Now, for some of you, and this is kind of one of the reasons that you just kind of stopped exploring faith, or maybe you left church for a season, or you just kind of like quit engaging because your faith got really flat, it got really boring, it got really irrelevant, got really vanilla. And here's how that happens. Whenever you go very long without taking a step of faith that costs you something, can I tell you what's going to happen to you? I've watched it over the last 25 years of pastoring churches and discipling people, and that is this. Whenever you go very long without taking a step of faith that is going to cost you something, you start getting cynical. Your heart starts getting really cynical, and you start getting critical, and churches start get boring for you, and you start saying things like this, church isn't doing anything for me anymore, and all those people, they're just hypocrites, and, and they just wear me out, and they're not growing like they should be growing, and you start complaining about all the people, and you, start, and you end up like sitting on the sidelines, criticizing and blaming everybody and everything else but they're not actually the problem. The church isn't the problem. The problem is you've chosen to sit on the sidelines, bored and disengaged because you haven't obeyed the nudge that God gave you. Here's what I've watched over 25 years of pastoring. People who are in the game, taking those steps, following Jesus, they are bored. They don't have the time to be cynical. I mean, they're too busy living the adventure, and they're not even waiting the church for the church to create the adventure. They're listening to the Holy Spirit. Lead them into an adventure. Listen, if you're sitting around waiting for the church to lead you into an adventure, you're missing what it means to follow Jesus. That means you're following the church. We are here, gathered together as the church, the body of Christ, to follow Jesus as individuals first. And then as we do that as individuals, the church follows Jesus. So here's our question for you as we begin 2019. Is Jesus asking you to take a step of faith that will cost you something? Is he nudging you to do something that you've been resisting or you've been ignoring? And here's what I can tell you. You, you know that he's nudging you when you have some downtime. And this thing keeps rushing to the forefront of your mind. It starts, it continues to rise up in your heart. It's like when you pray, you can't focus on your prayer because it dominates your thoughts. It's that thing that every time you're at church and you have time to pause and focus on Jesus or you hear a message like this or you sing, hear certain worship songs sung or you sing those or you see a certain person, I mean, it just nags at you. It's like you can't ignore it. 
It's a step of faith you just kept putting off. See, we don't want you to go another year ignoring that and not taking a step of faith. See, here, it's kind of like Peter. Once you know what that step is, I mean, you got to go. You, you got to row out into the deep. You got to take that step once you know, or your faith is going to become very stagnant, very cynical, very critical. It will go flat and become very boring. See, for some of you, that step of faith is to leave a job. For some of you, it's to get a job. Just a thought. Just take that job. I know it's not the job you want, but maybe God is saying you need to take this job to get to the place he wants you. For some of you, you have this opportunity in front of you, but you're scared because it's so uncertain. But once you know what the step is, you gotta go. You gotta take that step. For, for some of you, it's to go on a mission trip this year. And every time you hear somebody talk about it, you know you should. You hear the testimony of somebody else going like you heard this morning. Something happens in your heart. When you saw that, saw that Go Global card in your worship guide, I mean, your, your heart, something started speaking to you and maybe you didn't know what it was, but that could be the nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, you, you gotta go. Now that you know, you gotta do that. Oh, it's gonna cost you something. You have to sacrifice today so you can go at a later date. You're gonna to have to sacrifice financially, emotionally, spiritually. There's gonna be all things you have to do, kind of things to do to prepare, prepare for it. For, for some of you, it's to downsize and do something else with your money instead of just try to be comfortable. Maybe, maybe that's what God is saying. He's saying, I want you to contribute more to helping the kingdom of God advance instead of just being about comfortable. For some of you, it's to start a business. I mean, you just keep putting it off, but man, you just keep talking about it with people. For some of you, middle school, high school, or college age, maybe even you're 40 or 50, you just need to break up with whoever you're dating. I mean, it's like, you know you should break up. Your mama knows you should break up. Your grandmama knows you should break up. Your friends even tell you you should break up. Listen, if you want to be where you want to be in a year, everybody's going, you got to break up. This person's no good for you. For some of you, it means you got to move out. You got to give back the engagement ring or go pawn it, whatever. But just tell them it's over, you know, that kind of thing. See, there's something so much better than trying to be happy in a relationship. It's being fulfilled and satisfied on an adventure with God. My son and I were um, having lunch yesterday, and, and we were talking about that. We're like, we're talking about some unhappy people that, that um, we're just, he was just experiencing. And, and, I, and we were just talking. I was like, you know, I, I, I said, Cameron, the thing is, is, you know, over these years, I've told so many people, listen, getting, getting out of high school is not going to make you happy. Getting a college degree is not going to make you happy. Getting a, another college degree is not going to make you happy. Getting married is not going to make you happy. You know, having kids is not going to make you happy. Getting a certain house, th those things don't make you happy. If you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy later. He's going, yeah, I've been watching that in some people. See, and you're never going to be happy if you're not on this adventure with God. For some of you, 
Your step of faith is to quit hiding out and acting like you have it all together. And the next time someone looks at you and suggests you need to go to counseling, you go, okay, I will. Instead of acting like, oh, don't nobody know I got anything going on. Don't nobody know my stuff. I'm like, everybody knows your stuff. It leaks out of you all the time. Your family knows your stuff well. And now it's starting to leak out of them on the rest of us. So go deal with your stuff. We all have stuff. For some of you, that step of faith, it's, it's to start serving others through the church. I mean, it's like every time we talk about it, you've been coming to one of our campuses for a while, and every time we talk about serving others and living others first, I mean, you feel that nudge, and, and you just keep resisting. See, for some of you, it means you're going to have to say no to some things so that you, you can change your priorities to being engaged in serving others consistently. And you go, I don't want to do that because I want to be at church when I want to be at church. I want to go do other things when I want to do other things. I don't want to have like a consistent schedule where I put other people first and serve them. Oh, there's a novel idea. I remember Jesus said it this way one time. For those of you that say, I don't want to have to give up my time to go serve others. Jesus said that same thing. He goes, Father, I don't want to have to give up my time and go serve the people on the earth. It didn't say that. But so many times we say we're following Jesus, but that's our idea. No, what Jesus said is this. I didn't come to what? Be served, but to serve and give my life. Some of you, that, that's your step of faith. See, once you know, you, you just got to do it. See, many of you, many of you, please don't miss this. Many of you are just like one step away from a better future, from a better family, from better finances, from better faith. But you have to be willing to take a step of faith that is going to cost you something. And don't miss this. Once you go, once you trust, that's when God actually shows up. And that's when God does what only he can, and your relationship with Jesus will come alive in ways that you have never experienced Jesus before. In fact, that's exactly what happened to Peter. Notice what happens. So when they had done this, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full, they began to sink. Now watch what happens to Simon Peter. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And I think this word astonished, it is such an understatement. Every time I read this word astonished, I, I, it almost makes me tear up. Because I realize Peter, at this moment, he's begun to experience what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, the boat is so full, it's starting to sink. And Peter's like, you just won the lottery in that day. I mean, your boat is so full. I mean, like, you guys are set for a year. I mean, like, you're rich. And Peter, man, aren't you so excited about the money? Like, you take a month off, Peter. He says, no, we're, we're astonished. We're so astonished. 
I mean, if you'd asked Peter about the money, his time off, those kind of things, I think Peter said, no, 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 this stuff is totally irrelevant in this moment. Because see, in this moment, he's astonished. See, here's what happens when you get astonished by God. Your little bitty faith, it intersects with God's great big faithfulness. And when your little bitty faith intersects with God's great big faithfulness, something happens. You know what happens? Peter discovered Jesus was greater than he imagined and more personal than he ever dreamed. That's what happens when you get astonished by God. You begin to understand, God is so much greater than I ever imagined he would be, but he's so much more personal. That's why Peter said, go away from me, Lord. I'm just a simple man. It's his way of saying, I don't deserve this. I know who you are now, and I know who I am. I am just a sinful man with a little bit of faith. Why would you care about me? Why, why are you inviting me into something greater than I ever imagined? But you know what? Peter's sinfulness and his difficulty in trusting Jesus, it didn't bother Jesus one bit. In fact, he looked at Peter and he invited him into something even greater. Listen how this all ends. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything. You talk about a step of faith that's going to cost you something, left everything and followed him. And it's like when you first read that, you think, now wait just a minute, Peter, don't get so carried away with this. I mean, you took a step of faith and it cost you something and it paid off. Stop right there. I mean, you just caught just enough fish to fund your salary for a while. You hit the jackpot. I mean, like, what do you think you're doing walking away from all these fish? At least take them to the market. I mean, don't leave a good thing. I mean, like, why do you want to do that kind of thing, Peter? I'll tell you why Peter left everything and followed him. Because when your little bitty faith intersects with God's big faithfulness, it changes how you see the world, but it not only changes how you see the world, it how you see the world, it changes how you see your world. See, see, when your little bitty faith intersects with God's great big faithfulness, you see how much God can be trusted, and you see how personal God wants to be with you. And then the next time that God comes along and he asks you to take a step of faith that's going to cost you something, it's a little bit easier because there's a little bit more trust. And yes, there is fear. And for some of you, I mean, that's what's keeping you from like trusting God and taking that step. And you're thinking, man, how do I take that step when I am so absolutely afraid? And man, I get that more than anything. And I'll tell you some stories about the fears that I've had over the years taking some steps with God. Next year, we're going to, or next week, we're going to talk about how you overcome that. But I'm telling you this. The only way that you're going to get from where you are now to where you want to be in this next year is to take a step of faith that costs you something. And folks, we want this for you more than anything else. Because I am watching so many Christ followers who are bored with their faith, who are cynical about their faith, who are cynical about the church and critical of the church. And it is because God is nudging you and you're not taking the step of faith. See, see the step for you, 
I, I promise you, whatever that step is, in whatever area of your life, it will do more for your faith than any sermon that we could ever preach to you. See, we could never teach anything to you that is gonna grow your faith as much as when you do something, when you take that step of faith. This is how you have a deep, mature, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just about growing in knowledge. It's about taking a step of faith to trust and obey, even when there's no outcome guaranteed for you. And here's one other reason why this is so important. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to take a step of faith that God is taking, asking you to take. You, you have no idea what hangs in the balance for your finances, for your friendship, for your marriage, for your dating, for your family. See, you have no idea how God may want to use your step of faith to impact those friends that you've been praying for, that family that you wish you could reach, your spouse, I mean, your future spouse, your brother, your sister, your mother, your dad, your kids. I mean, you have no idea. Peter had no idea that 2,000 years later, we would still be talking about that and it would not, and that it would be impacting our lives. And see, you don't know the impact that your step of faith will have as well. So what now? Well, the question is, will you take the step? Will you trust? Will you follow Jesus? See, you've heard us say this before. Following Jesus makes your life better and it makes you better at life. But only but only if you take a step of faith that costs you something. And see, once you know, the only way you grow is to take the step. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment as we begin this year to really stop and ask where are we right now and where do we want to be? And God, part of where we want to be is through those nudgings that you keep putting in our hearts. So I pray that this week and next week together, it will be the catalyst that will help every one of us to quit looking around to others to make us happy, to create an adventure for our lives, to help us feel fulfilled. But we will say yes to Jesus, because you say so, I'm gonna let down the net. May our decision be the same decision that Peter's was. Because you say so, I'm gonna take this step. And God, I wanna thank you for the incredible adventure that you're gonna put so many of us on as we begin to do this. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks, amen. Hey, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.